0: Welcome to a very special edition of the Neon Jazz interview series. On this episode, we had the honor of interviewing the legendary alto saxophonist Lou Donaldson. During an open, raw, and refreshing conversation, Lou spoke to Neon Jazz about anything and everything that he felt worthy. Initially, we spoke about the influence Charlie Parker's playing had on him, his time playing in Kansas City over the years, the legends he has shared the stage with, and recently how he felt about becoming an NEA jazz master, and many, many other things. And please do me this favor dig it, my friends. Hello. Yeah, hi, Lou. It's Joe Domino with Neon Jazz. All right. Thank you, sir, for taking my call and having some time here. First of all, talk to me about your association with Mr. Charlie Parker.
1: Uh, I knew him you know when when an association <laughs> I knew him when I saw him
0: now did you did you gig with him? What did he teach you about uh,
1: no I' never, I never played a job with him I played some jam sessions with him. I never played a job
0: with him. What did he teach you about jazz?
1: Well, just about everything that I knew he didn't teach me. I just picked up his style, you know.
0: Sure. Talk to me about North Carolina, where you were born. How, how influential was North Carolina on, on your appreciation for jazz? Uh,
1: nothing. You know, North Carolina is a country-western state. So, we, we didn't have a, it wasn't, wasn't even a jazz show
0: down there. So what about, so was it until you went to New York City, where you really kind of got oh, your no,
1: I went to North Carolina a College, and then the students actually came from New York and brought records. That actually, where I heard Charlie Parker, I went to the Navy in nineteen forty-five, and when I was in Chicago, that's where I heard Charlie Parker, and he influenced me, you know, to to play, like, play the way I play.
0: Absolutely. Anybody else really influenced the way you played?
1: Not really. I used before I heard him, I played a little bit like Johnny Hodges and uh, people like that, Pete Brown, stuff like that. But he uh, was a big. Actually, I was a clarinet player when I got in the Navy band. Wow. And uh, I was so, you know, uh, upset with his friend until, until I just, I didn't give up, clearly, but I, I took the down, so that
0: was it. Interesting. So, talk to me about when you first arrived in, in New York. What was it like to get involved with that scene?
1: Well, in, in, when I got there in the, in the, in the late 40s, it was uh, uh, clubs everywhere, music everywhere, Musicians everywhere. Most of them, you know, strung out. You know, yeah. using vitamins and um. And it was, it was, it was. I well, when I went there, I was still a GI. Sure. So I went to a GI school. Yeah. And got GI benefits and uh and a music school down on Broadway. Right. the Studios and uh it was two or three schools right in that district. And they had bands where you could go and practice and rehearse. And a lot of musicians, it was great. It was, it was great. And then all of them, they had uh, 15 to 20 clubs where you could play jazz. It was
0: great. Right on. So when you got approached by Blue Notes the first time to lay down a record, what was that like?
1: Well, I was working at Men's Playhouse. And Alfred Lyon, the president of Blue came by there. And asked me, did I want to make a record for uh, Blue Notes? And I told him, of course, you know. And uh, he said, uh, can you play like Charlie Parker? <laughs> 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 now, I couldn't play like Charlie Parker, but I said, yeah, I can play that way. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, don't know, I, I don't know how he thought I was going to answer him. <laughs> but I made this record with Milk Jackson's quartet. And from
0: then on you know you know the rest of the story well you went for you so you with milt Percy Mr. Lewis and Kenny Clark you guys became the modern jazz quartet and that as far as I'm concerned is one of the best sounds jazz ever produced what was that tenure like well at that
1: time I didn't even think about that you know because at that time it was just the Mill Jackson quartet but later they they, they you know they became the modern jazz quartet
0: so, what, what was it like to perform with someone like Milt Jackson?
1: Well, it was great for me, you know, because I've been hearing him with his band, you know. Sure. And I liked him, and, you know, he was great.
0: That's wonderful. So, the 1950s was really a galvanizing point for you to kind of get baptized into jazz. How would you sum up that decade for you, as far as recording and, and laying down music?
1: Well, in the 1970s, the music was changing slightly. The music was changing because the musicians had, uh, musicians had uh, started experimenting with jazz and kind of took it away from where it was supposed to
0: be. Right.
1: And uh, I started making a lot of organ records, and, uh, basically because I wanted to sell them, you know. Mm-hmm. Because uh, like the music business is like anything else. I don't know why people who, who critic, crit, critics and people who Try to critique the music. Don't understand that, but you know, I'm not saying they're stupid. But you know, if you make a record for a company, if it doesn't sell, they won't they won't record you anymore. Right. So naturally, when you make a record, you're trying to sell it. Yeah. So you can keep recording and making money. But uh, that's what was happening back then, and it was great with Blue Note, and then CTI came on. Yeah. With Creed Taylor and his people, Freddie Hubbard and. All those people. It was great, Grover Washington.
0: It was great. So you've played with almost everybody under the sun that that people can even imagine in jazz. Who do you miss playing with? Like getting on stage, gigging, jamming. Who is it that you think, man? I'd love to get on stage again and, and do it again with that person. Well,
1: I don't know. It was all of them. I played with everybody, so it doesn't. I don't have any one particular person. She's talking about
0: Clifford Brown. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess you got Monk, you got a lot. I just thought maybe someone might have popped into mine. I didn't want to sing. Yeah, well,
1: Monk wasn't that fun to play with because Monk never um, wrote out his music. He had to learn it. You know, it was kind of tough. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> what What's the best jazz advice you ever got?
1: I don't know. The only, only jazz, best jazz advice I ever got was from old guys and they would always tell me if you if you don't play the blues, you lose.
0: <laughs> so what, what does it feel like after a long, winding, influential career and your music's everywhere? How does it feel? Do you ever sit back and think, man, this has been one hell of a ride?
1: Yeah, and I think now, I don't know what I would be playing if I was living the day, you know, with TV and all that stuff they got now. Because back then, you had to go out to a club. Hear music. you couldn't you couldn't hear it anywhere if you didn't let you into
0: the club. Yeah, and they didn't
1: have you know when, when I started, I was no TV, no nothing. Sure, actually no radio either. You know, very few people had radios. Yeah, and it, uh, you had to go out and find the musicians and listen to them
0: play. Yeah, you've you've spent some time here in Kansas City since we're out of Kansas City. Talk to me about some of your memories of playing on 18 and Vine and just kind of the overall Kansas City thing.
1: Yeah, the Blue Room. And, I, and when I came to Kansas City, it was in the late 50s, late 50s. And um, they had, uh, it was still segregation. You know, as Black Musicians mm-hmm. and, Union. Uh, and we used to go up to the Black Musicians Union. And I'm responsible for the uh, Charlie Parker Foundation now because uh, I went up there and they had pictures of musicians on the wall of everybody, Count and all those people, Leslie Young. And they didn't have a picture of Charlie Parker. And I asked the guy, why didn't they have a picture of Charlie Parker? And he said the president of the union didn't like Charlie Parker because Charlie Parker, you know, was a junkie. And he came around begging people for money and people would eat a sandwich. And when they got back, he done stole the sandwich ate it. you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, And they didn't like him, so they didn't put his picture up so... And I asked anybody in there, did they have a picture? There was a guy named Eddie Baker. Mm-hmm. was around there, and uh, Eddie, said, I got a picture at my house. I say go get it, so he went and got it. And I stuck the picture up with a tack. I stuck it on the wall. <laughs> Very nice.
0: I, and I told him to detail the president, I put it up there. Right on.
1: And that I'll, I'll be here every morning. You know, after the gig, you go up there and eat. Yeah. You get, uh, get food at the union. And I said, tell him I'll be here every night. Tell him, I don't care what he does when
0: I leave, but I won't see this picture up here every night while I'm here. Absolutely.
1: And I think they kept it up there. They kept it up there. And then Eddie Baker said he'd been trying to do something for Charlie Parker, and they, and they didn't like Charlie Parker, so they weren't interested. So he wanted to start a foundation. And I had a day off because I had to go to Wichita, but I didn't have to be there until Tuesday. Yeah. And I told him, okay, so we'll play a concert over in his house, played in his yard. Yeah. Could put a speaker up in the tree and he just put a, you know, a bucket out there. He didn't have no charge or nothing. Donations. And he can raise about $500. Wow. And he started the Charlie Parker Foundation. That's how it got started.
0: Yeah, right on.
1: In Kansas City. I got a medal in my house right now from Eddie. You know, he's dead now, but I got a medal uh, Claiming that I'm the one that ever get the job of foundation
0: started. That's wonderful. people
1: don't know that. Too, no.
0: But, you know, no, definitely. I don't think any many people know that.
1: I no, mean, they don't know anything about that. You know, it's just weird because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, I, I came to Kansas City all the
0: time. Yeah.
1: I must have played that three four times a year. Right on. In the 60s and 70s and even in the
0: 80s. Yeah. That's great.
1: I'm good friends with, uh,
0: Olly Gates, who owns the real
1: place, you know, he, he's a good friend of mine. That's
0: great. Yeah, and uh, Kansas City was a great town for me. Oh, yeah, without
1: a doubt. And, and he might even play Tulsa, Wichita.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. So speaking of having medals, you just got awarded the NEA Jazz Masters. What was that like?
1: Well, it, it wasn't anything much to me. It's too late. I should have had that thirty years ago.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's just too late. I told him when I made my speech, you know. It's like an afterthought to me because it's too too late now, you know. Yeah. Because I'm eighty-seven years old, you know. They gave me, you know, the money, and I said nothing I can do with it now. But put it in the bank, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you had it a few years ago, I would have had a ball with this
0: money. Man, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's nice. You, you've had all kinds of fans that you've performed in front of your whole life. What's the nicest thing a fan has ever said to you?
1: Well, I don't know. It's a million fans. I've got a million fans, man. Everywhere I go, i got fans. Yeah. But the nicest thing in the, in the United States when I traveled around, I don't do it now. But I used to go in these places, and a lot of people told me that uh, that, you know, the Blues walk. My most famous piece. Uh, that thing is to uh, make love to that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm responsible for the and A lot of people that every time they had a dance. And, you know, that's what they would, they would use when they grabbed their wife, you know. And uh, that, that's amazing. I used to laugh at it, but it was funny.
0: That's awesome. That's great.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is a swinging. It is a swinging.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. So, you traveled Europe quite a bit. What country really got your music and really responded to you the best?
1: I, I, mean, I, I hate to tell you, but all of them. All of them. Right on. All of them. I made a tour in Spain last year, and uh, it was amazing. You know, at my age, now, you know, everything I play like is nostalgia. Because, actually, if you want to hit away, I'm praying You have to hear me because you know nobody else plays that way. You know, yeah. Young musicians they into something else. You know, which is 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 powerful, of course. You know what that is? Yeah. There's always something new coming up. But people would come up to me, actually with tears in their eyes. You know, after I played like an alligator boogaloo or something like
0: that. Yeah.
1: Because they they don't they don't hear it anymore, and it's it amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: In countries, I even went to Russia. I didn't even know people knew. Yeah that much about jazz in Russia, but they knew everything.
0: Wow, that's you great. You
1: where I was born, you know, my mother, my father, they studied
0: <laughs> That's great.
1: Music, and don't go to Japan, it's just, you go to, we could try to go out and get, you know, like Burger Kings and stuff, cause we don't want the Japanese food. And uh, it'll be 50 people that with albums for you to sign it. Wow! Wow. So they saw you go in there and everybody would tell everybody.
0: And they run out with the albums, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So let me ask you this. You've played with a lot of musicians over the years. Is there anybody that you would have liked to have either played with or met that you didn't? I uh, no, You know, I
1: met everybody.
0: Right on. I met everybody.
1: I, it's just, there's nobody you could name that I didn't meet. And I played with most of them, too. See, I'm, I'm right in between uh, what we call the crack. Yeah, because I I got to see all of the old Dixieland musicians mm-hmm. when I was a kid.
0: Yeah,
1: and when I went into the Navy in Chicago, I used to go down to the Dixieland section and listen to the, all the old musicians play. Right on. And um, uh, and then I heard all of the swing music because you know I'm mean, I'm in that age. Yeah. All the big bands, all of them, Count Basie, Duke, Jimmy, with all those bands, and then I got all the bebop because that's my era. Yeah and then I got all that Avant card too I got I am mean, right in the crack I got a whole I was born at the right time yeah I got all four of
0: them. absolutely so what are you listening to these days what's the last album or song you listened to before we talk today
1: uh, it's hard for me to say I listen to music shows at night they got something they run on TV at night it's a special station music shows yeah and I listen to the uh, records that they play I don't know what's the last thing I listen to because uh, most of the musicians now I don't even know, and they play so bad I don't want to hear it anyway. You know. But, uh, yeah. It's it's, it's 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 now it's uh, music uh, it's uh, like overkill. You know they know too much about music. You know you know what I mean. Yeah. they, they play so good, it's it's not good. <laughs> yeah,
0: I hear you. I hear you.
1: Too me- perfect is too perfect now. You
0: know. Yeah. Let me ask you this: How do you want the world to remember you?
1: Well, I want them to remember me as a guy who came into music with a little talent and, and put a smart head and figured out the system, because I had to figure it out in order to make, make you know, money, there was a little money I made. And I figured it right on the nose, you know. Mm-hmm. I listened to it, and when I'd use my band, I'd go out and play, and what the people responded to is what I would record. Yeah, and that was like one hundred percent right, and uh, I was a lucky guy. I played, I got to play with everybody, and uh, I was a happy guy. Still a happy guy now.
0: Lou, you're a class act, sir. Thank you for your time, and keep on keeping on, man. I love your music.
1: Yeah, tell everybody that I missed out. That you know that I said hello.
0: I will, Lou. Thank you. Bye bye. Take care. Thanks for listening and tuning into a very special Neon Jazz interview session where we give you a bit of insight into the legends that have given us all that jazz for all these decades. And thanks to the legendary Lou Donaldson for his insight, candor, and brilliance. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store or visit the NeonJazz.blogspot.com for all things Neon Jazz. Until next time... Enjoy the music, my friends.
1: Neon Jazz.